0: Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on August 30th, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features the latest on lawsuits dealing with bans against mask mandates in the state in a newly opened civil rights investigation by the U.S. Department of Education regarding the matter. We learned about the newly created Office of Resilience and have two reports on how hospitals in our state are doing as we continue to see a crush of cases. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life during these more uncertain times. Leave us a one to three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. September's almost here, folks, so let us know what's going on for the month of September with you. How the family's doing? How school's going? How's work going? Let us know. 803-563-7169. And now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 10,562 total cases, and currently there are 730,685 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of August 30th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive rate is 11.4%. 2,180 people are hospitalized with COVID-19 in the state, which is 8% higher than a week ago. 527 patients are in intensive care and 339 are on ventilators, all higher than the previous week. Speaking of last week, we saw 34,666 cases for the week ending August 28th. Now that is still below our peak of 40,315 for the week of January 9th, But uh, it's getting a little close there, folks. It's not looking like it's disappearing. Currently, there are 1,905 cases being reported in schools, with 1,679 cases just among students. And as of right now, 47.5% of eligible South Carolinians have been fully vaccinated. On Monday, the U.S. Department of Education said that it's opening a civil rights investigation into South Carolina's ban on mask mandates, as well as similar bans in four other states. According to the Associated Press, Education Secretary Miguel Cordona sent letters to superintendents of education in those states saying the policies could amount to discrimination against students with disabilities or health conditions. That current issue is at the center of a lawsuit lodged by the ACLU against the state as well. Policies conflict with guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, SCDHEC, and Superintendent Mullian Spearman's urging. Now, if the investigations determine that the state mask bans have discriminated against students with disabilities, it could lead to sanctions, including a loss of federal education funding. The South Carolina Department of Education did say that the state has already issued guidance addressing those students covered under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act. Now tomorrow, August 31st, we'll see how two mask cases play out in the South Carolina Supreme Court. The first at 10 a.m. is between the state versus the City of Columbia to determine the validity of mask mandate ordinances for schools and daycares enacted by the City of Columbia. At 11 o'clock, the court has also agreed to decide a request for declaratory and injunctive relief in its original jurisdiction to determine the validity of the provisos preventing mask mandates. You can watch both of those cases live on SCETV.org. Moving on, the State Department of Administration has submitted the official request for the state's share of the Coronavirus State Fiscal Recovery Fund included in the American Rescue Plan Act. With this request, the state will also receive the $435 million in funding available to cities, villages, towns, townships, or other types of local governments. States are required to request the funds on behalf of municipalities with populations less than 50,000. Now, once the funds are available, there are 254 small South Carolina towns and municipalities that are eligible to utilize the funding. And according to the U.S. Department of Treasury, once it issues an invoice for requested funds, the state can expect to receive the first of two payments within a few business days. Now, municipalities will be able to request money starting this week and can typically expect to receive funding within 10 business days. And now for some news in the southeast that you've definitely been following. We're talking about Hurricane Ida pummeling Louisiana and Mississippi. And of course, the damage is not over yet. The hurricane brought rain, flooding, and storm surge to the Gulf Coast. And we're no stranger to such storms. And knock on wood, we haven't dealt with any big ones yet this year. But all it takes is one storm. You remember Hurricane Florence when it sat over the state back in early September 2018? Well, since then, we've seen meetings of the State Floodwater Commission and the creation of the Office of Resilience. South Carolina Public Radio's Tut Underwood has this report about the newly formed agency.
1: Rushing floodwaters is a sound no one who has lived through a flood will ever forget. South Carolina has had more than its share in recent years. The so-called thousand-year rain of 2015, courtesy of Hurricane Joaquin, and floods in 2016 and 2018 caused by Hurricanes Matthew and Florence. In 2018, the state created the South Carolina Floodwater Commission to find ways to address flooding problems. Chairman Tom Mulliken said the biggest problems caused by flooding are the result of climate change, sea level rise, and extreme weather.
2: We've got nuisance flooding along the coast associated with sea level rise. We've got coastal erosion coming off the hurricane. And then we have flooding. In some of our basins associated with storms coming up through the Gulf, dropping their water into North Carolina, and they come through South Carolina on the way to the coast.
1: The Volunteer Flood Water Commission is working with the new Professional Office of Resilience to mitigate flood damage. Chief Resilience Officer Ben Duncan cited some of the destruction that climate-caused flooding has wrought in South Carolina.
3: As you can see on the news, people are, are harmed, either trying to get out of the way or they're trapped. You see homes destroyed or damaged. If water is intrudes into your home, mold is coming next. We've seen homes washed off their foundations. We see problems with infrastructure where roads are washed away and drain lines are clogged and damaged.
1: Some of the steps the state has made to address flooding include rebuilding flooded homes two feet above the proper elevation, Duncan said. A natural flood-fighting strategy Mulliken stressed was the Floodwater Commission's Earth Day planting of 3.4 million trees across the state.
2: So why did we do that? One mature tree absorbs 11,000 gallons of water annually. The 3.4 million times 11,000 gallons annually is the impact that that'll have once those trees are fully matured. So we're looking at rebuilding these natural strategies.
1: Duncan's office is working on a statewide strategic plan to control flooding. It will employ multiple strategies because, he said, there are different kinds of flooding problems.
3: Just flooding we call riverine flooding. That's flooding that comes over the banks of the river. There's ponding, flash floods, and the water cannot drain off fast enough. Undersized infrastructure systems. And that's what's going on in Charleston. They are putting in a huge tunnel down there. To drain the water off faster so there will not be flooding.
1: South Carolina is working with other states to share lessons on what works to mitigate flooding, said Duncan.
3: There is a Carolina's Resilience Conference that has been in effect for the last four years to determine where problems exist, what we can work on together, and to see what other states are doing also. Georgia and North Carolina, and, and Louisiana. So we are working with those other states uh, on a
1: constant basis. Mulligan said there are things South Carolinians can do to help fight the effects of flooding in the future.
2: Plant a tree. If every one of the families in the state of South Carolina would go into these areas and plant trees, it will matter. And then help us clean these creeks and canals and rivers out because the best thing that we can do is have natural flow from the mountains to the sea. And right now, a lot of what's impeding that is garbage. Take pride in the most beautiful place on Earth.
1: According to Duncan, the number one goal of his office's plan will be to think ahead and be proactive rather than reactive after a flood. Resilience includes anticipating things that might happen and being prepared, he said.
0: Thanks, Tut. You can find that report and more on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Let's start our business section off with a travel update for you. No, I'm not here to tell you about my next trip, though it looks like it will be Houston next week. No, this update is for folks who may be traveling internationally, though I think Texas is a different country. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about specifically the European Union. The European Council recommended to its 27-nation bloc, which includes places like France, Germany, and Greece, wink, wink and others to reinstate travel restrictions on non-essential travel from the United States due to the higher number of coronavirus cases. According to the Associated Press, this is a non-binding recommendation, and individual EU countries can make their own decisions. But just a little reminder, the United States has not reopened to EU tourists, despite calls to do so. Speaking of Germans, we have a spot of upstate auto news for you. From our state's favorite Bavarians. We're talking about BMW. Oliver Zipsa, chairman of BMW's board of management, said the auto manufacturer will begin building another model at the Spartanburg plant next year. Zipsa was speaking during a CNBC interview last week from the plant, which is home to several models already including the X3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, as well as performance models of most of those vehicles. Now, CNBC reports that BMW currently exports about 70% of the vehicles it produces at the U.S. plant, Zipsa declined to disclose other details of the new vehicle, but auto intelligence firm LMC Automotive expects BMW to begin producing a new crossover called the X8 Okay, I gotcha. Six, seven, eight, and at the plant starting next year. The vehicle is projected to be a two-row vehicle based off of BMW's current three-row X7. Now, we know hospitals, nurses, doctors, and other frontline medical workers have been overwhelmed for weeks on end, once again. The problem, like we said many times, is the Delta variant ravaging the unvaccinated population in our state, currently standing at 52.5%, and has even been fueled by breakthrough cases and hospitalizations, though not as serious as those in unvaccinated folks. That's the power of this vaccine. In South Carolina Public
4: Radio's Scott Morgan looks further into what hospitals around our state are facing. How's your mind doing with all the Delta variant news? Hearing people say things like, Delta is a different COVID. And about 97% of the active virus in the country right now is the Delta variant. You worn out on stuff like that? Tired of hearing it? Well, Dr. Rick Scott isn't fond of saying it. Dr. Scott is Prisma Health's chief clinical officer for the Midlands. And just after he said this during a press briefing last week, he also said, Understand that the increase in patients needing hospitalization is causing a strain on our organization and our caregivers. I'll be honest with you, people are getting tired. That's not the kind of thing doctors say, which underscores just how intense the current COVID situation is in this state. For Prisma, the number of hospitalized COVID patients jumped fast, from 12 just before July 4th to about 400 now in its Greenville, Upstate, and Midlands facilities. Moreover, children are part of the equation for the first time. Prisma pediatrician Dr. Kaufman Taylor. Sadly, we have had double to almost two and a half times the number of children with COVID in our children's hospital in the Midlands than we ever did before with the surges. The COVID positivity rate in South Carolina is highest in 11 to 20-year-olds, 27 percent, according to fellow Prisma pediatrician Dr. Robin LaCroix. The state's overall positivity rate jumped from 2 or 3% in late July to 14-15% by August 2nd, and it has stayed there. That's based on daily data numbers from Johns Hopkins University, and it's exploding the number of people in the hospital because of COVID. And Prisma Health is far from the only hospital system getting slammed.
1: We have definitely been seeing over the past couple of weeks a huge rise in hospitalizations across the state.
4: Melanie Matney is the chief operating officer of the South Carolina Hospital Association.
1: Many hospitals are experiencing significant surge again and are very full.
4: By very full, Matney means an average of about 80 percent of ICU beds occupied. Johns Hopkins data show about 1,900 hospitalizations statewide in this past week, which is where South Carolina was at the end of January, when only senior citizens could get a vaccine. Now, not every hospital is packed to quite this degree, but, Matney says, many are. Many are also worse, and not just in the developed upstate or coastal cities.
1: There are several hospitals across the state that are more rural, that are full, but yeah, they... It doesn't matter. I think right now in the surge, you've got larger hospitals and smaller hospitals. Today, we have 26 that are at or above 90% capacity. Children's hospitals are full as well.
4: 26 hospitals above 90% capacity. That's actually down from 31 last week, but it's hardly cause for celebration yet. It is, however, better and is one of two pieces of relatively not as bad as it could be news about hospitalizations in this latest surge. The other has to do with ventilators.
1: Only about 34% of our ventilators are utilized, so we have some ventilator capacity at this moment.
4: But daily COVID case counts are back in the thousands, and children are returning to school. Many below the minimum vaccination age of 12 who are going into buildings where face coverings are not likely to be enforced. Dr. Taylor says that until kids younger than 12 can get vaccinated against COVID, the best three approaches to protect them are masks, masks, and masks. Masks are so important because children cannot be vaccinated. That's our tool. That's how we protect them. This is a community public health problem that can only be solved by all of us. Doctors Taylor, Scott, and LaCroix urge everyone who can to get a vaccine, which is both free and freely available.
0: Thanks again to the leads. I mean, South Carolina Public Radio's Scott Morgan. Great context on how those decisions we all make affect so many people. We'll have more for you in our medical section as well. And Krispy Kreme is doubling up its donut giveaway from August 30th to September 5th for those who have received at least one dose of the vaccine. Mm, And this is some tasty news here, folks. That's again one original glazed donut and a heart-shaped donut for free. The Charlotte-based Donut Monger has given away 2.5 million delicious, circular, sugary, melt-in-your-mouth treats since March when it rolled out its vaccine incentive program. Everyone had one. I know that's not enough for AT, but everyone had one. Now, the lead says, get you a treat, but in moderation. And if Vince Cole Bluego is listening, Vince, just have one. Just one. Be strong. Late last week, representatives from all five upstate area hospital systems united on Zoom to highlight just how bad the coronavirus situation is right now. Dr. Wendell James, chief clinical officer for Prisma Health Upstate, the largest provider in the region, started off by giving some historical context about the situation.
5: The Prisma Health Upstate and Midland systems serve approximately 50% of the population of this state. So on July the 2nd, we were down to 12 patients. In seven weeks, the number has risen to 436 patients today. To put that in some perspective, last January, we were at a high at the very peak of COVID of 546 patients. And at that time, Prisma, Bon Secours, Anmed, SELF, everyone, Spartanburg Regional, we were all struggling to cover what needed to be done. We're very concerned about this surge. The rate of rise in this surge is even steeper than the one we saw in the winter. It is imperative that we get the community's attention and cooperation with dealing with this as we move forward. If the numbers we're looking at continue to trend on the rate of rise that they're on presently, they will surpass the peak that we saw in January and February. And that runs a very significant risk of outstripping the entire upstate's ability to adequately deal with this pandemic. Right now, the 436 patients that we have hospitalized in Prisma system hospitals today, 410 of 436 patients are unvaccinated.
0: Dr. James said folks getting vaccinated is the only way this will let up on medical professionals many of whom who have left the profession since they're burning out and in turn creating even more strain on those overwhelmed hospital systems and other medical services.
5: In our region, we are currently dealing with a unprecedented shortage of nursing personnel. The availability of resources and the need for resources is continuing to climb, but much faster than our availability to continue to provide it. We've all reactivated our incident commands, And we're working extremely hard to meet the demand that is being placed upon all of our systems. What can you do to help us, I guess, is the biggest thing. In short, please get vaccinated. That is the golden bullet that we all have to avoid this turning into a bigger problem than it already is. We have been through nearly two years of this. We've had a lot of people, senior staff, docs and nurses, retire. They're done. They're fried. We have got to have the the community help us with this at this point. We need them to help us be responsible to one another and get vaccinated and let's get this thing under control. It works. We see it in these ICUs and these hospitals across the entire state. Half of the state is essentially vaccinated, a little less than that. If this vaccine was not as effective as it is, you would see almost a 50-50 split inside of these hospitals of vaccinated versus non-vaccinated. But you see 95% of the people becoming ill aren't vaccinated. So they don't have the protection rendered by these vaccines. So yes, we're all up against capacity constraints. We do disaster drills all the time to make sure that when there is a huge surge, we can deal with it. But a huge sustained surge, like we have dealt with now, is not something you typically solve to. So this is is a very different animal. These patients come in, they're very sick, they're younger, they're stronger, and they're staying sick longer. We have a tool to protect you, but you have to be willing to take it.
0: So just how bad is the surge right now? I know we always throw numbers out at the top of the podcast, but here's some more detailed reporting from DHEC, which said a total of 6,697 new cases of COVID-19 occurred on August 25th. That's the third highest total in a single day since the start of the pandemic. Not since seeing 7,680 cases on January 6th. What a bad day for all around January 6th. And 7,450 on January 8th. Has the state seen so many positive tests on one day? Contrast that with just two months ago, following an initial wave of vaccinations and schools being out for summer vacations, the state recorded back-to-back days on June 19th and June 20th of less than 100 cases statewide. Now, we have not been below 1,000 cases a day since July 24th. Welcome to the wind-down section, our little break from the news. Yay. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. So tell us, how can you do that? Well, there's an easy number you can call. Say it with me, 803-563-7169. You know it, we know it. I've I've even called in my sleep by accident. I said, Siri, call the lead. And Siri, call <laughs> Gavin. <laughs> I had a fever dream. I just said, <laughs> Make that call, (laughs) day or night. We have operators standing by 24-7, 365. Mm. And, you know, tell us what you're doing. Leave us a message. Summer's almost over, I guess. Sad. Not not technically, but I'm very sad. The pumpkin spice latte's already here. Not? I'm not ready for that yet. It's not even Labor Day, guys. Come on. What are you doing for Labor Day? because we haven't got any invites from anyone for Labor Day.
6: Not a not a single uh safely held
0: outdoor Labor Day invite, people. Yeah. Okay? Which that's o- which is okay I, I already have that's plans, but super unacceptable but uh, surprise yeah. I have plans like yeah, I have plans uh through October it seems like and I'm a little Stressed out by that.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, brag.
0: Uh, yeah. Sort of a brag. <clears throat> sort of a brag, sort of a cry for help. Anyway, let us know what you're doing. <laughs> Let's not talk about me right now. Uh, but A.T., uh, you told me that we might have uh, uh, one in the hopper. This we got exciting. one, baby. We got one. We got one. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> hey, we got okay? one. Hey, okay. Right <laughs> we need another one. Right here. We need After this, are going need another. A.T., shaking the phone right now. Do you have to shake it to warm it
6: up? You got to get it. You got to get it primed and ready. It's I mean, like you got to prime it. Yeah, it's eight ball. It's like a magic eight ball that that uh, our friends called. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> without uh, further ado, let's get to it.
2: Hey, this is Andrew, and I'm calling with my daughter Mirabelle and Anderson. And uh, Mirabelle, how has
4: school been so far this year?
6: It's been fun. We had a tornado warning on the first week of school. That was not fun. But I liked it because we weren't on the computer all year at home in the same place all year, like I did in virtual.
2: Yeah, and then um, are you wearing a mask at school?
3: Yes, but you forget it's on after five minutes.
2: Well, that's good. Um, are some of your other friends and teachers wearing masks? Yep. Are all of them or just some? Not all of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's a good year so far? Good couple weeks?
4: Good couple weeks.
2: Excellent. Hey,
0: Andrew, Mirabel, and Anderson. Thanks for calling. I love hearing from you guys. That was great information. Uh, scary about the tornado warning, but that, that's going to come with the territory <laughs> these days. But also very cool to hear about your experience back at school. Obviously, everyone sounds pretty thrilled to be back at school, talking to some mm-hmm. other friends with kids out there it uh, got to suck being stuck at home. Yeah. And you know what's better? You know, being at school and wearing a mask, it doesn't sound that difficult. Listen to Mirabelle and all those guys up there. They're all wearing it, making it work, you surviving. You look like a freaking ninja in it. It's cool. Yeah. Come on. Um, <laughs> I,
6: I, love, I, I love our listeners going out there and uh, uh, staging interviews for
0: us. Yes. I mean, you're going to you're, you put us out of work. <laughs> do like Andrew. Talk to the kids. I want to hear about everyone, what everyone's doing. So that's great to mm-hmm. hear. Speaking of masks, I was... um. This past weekend, I was down in Key West for Brack. a friend's bachelorette party. It was pretty Brack. wild. A whole lot of stories I can't really talk about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, for different the, podcasts. Yeah, for Lead different after podcasts. dark. <laughs> Lead after dark. But, but <laughs> at the airport on the way back at the bar, you know, you just might have like you know just a little drink to take the edge off on the way back home. And the bartender there, she had this puppy dog face mask. So every time you know, she would smile or laugh. It was kind of funny because her eyes would go up and she was we already kind of smiling with this little puppy dog face mask. And I was like, oh, what a great idea. She's like, it's hard for people to be mad at you when you're wearing something like this, you know? So <laughs> you yeah, get mad sure. at a dog, right? Like that's just messed up if you are. So but dog yeah, I mean, masks. Yeah, you you heard heard just it here traveling first. with masks on. It's like, yeah, that's what you do. That's what I did. And it was good because I was coming from Florida. So I'm going to wait to get my COVID yeah. test this week at some point before I go and see my parents down in Charleston this weekend. Uh, just Smart. To be safe, you know? Mm-hmm. Not that I was in any situations, but like I said, Delta variant it only takes like 10 seconds to transmit this thing. So
6: 10 seconds of exposure is mind-numbingly short. It's it's terrifying.
0: But uh, yeah, Florida was wonderful, a lot of fun. We were lucky that we missed Ida. It went right off the coast. We got some rain one day, but that was very, very marginal, very, you know, nothing compared to what they're going through right down the Gulf Coast and some of my friends down there who are without power. But uh, AT, tell us about your weekend. You had a big... Big round oh. of golf. I know we don't like oh. to talk too much oh. golf, but it was—it so, sounded like life-changing I'll, I'll for quick. you.
6: I'll be very quick. Transcending. Uh, for, for my birthday, <clears throat> my dad gave me uh, money to go and play the ocean course again, down where they had the PGA Championship. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, diehard leaders will know that I I did a few episodes from down there, mm-hmm. uh, I think back in March or something like that. But uh I mean, mean, we went back there. Yeah. Compared to to what you did back then. I mean, I was, I was garbage back then. I played so bad that, that day. Uh, But this time that we went, it was, I was magically good. I don't quite understand how I did. I shot an 83. I counted every single shot that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I, it was like I was floating, and I wanted to talk so bad to Caitlin. She was there. My friend Dave, who's called in, he he was there, and they were all having uh, the worst rounds of their lives. So you
0: can't, <laughs> uh, even even just being happy, you can't say anything because it just feels like you're rubbing it in. Even if you're yeah, it like, was brutal.
6: It was it was sad. I felt bad for him. It was really hot, but uh, I I played so well that I'm never gonna go back there ever again. But on the inside, you're just like,
0: is anyone else? Is anyone else? I was
6: exploding. This? I was exuberant. I was <laughs> e- elated. I was. Losing it internally. Yeah. But uh, it was great. It was great. But Gavin, Good that's besides the point of what we're here to talk about today because mm. um,
0: we are now famous. I mean, oh, beyond yes. just this podcast, yes. we're famous now, I think. Besides our worldwide exposure, thanks to listeners <laughs> like you, we are now famous. <laughs> AT's referring to our debut, our print debut. Have we been printed somewhere else? Oh, maybe in the past I mean, and you've Courier. been in newspapers before. Oh, yeah. I've been, been, been in the I, newspapers. But I think now, we were mentioned that one time in the posting career way back. <clears throat> maybe but when the bridge got down but this time this is this is this is glossy baby we're in the glossies we're in the columbia metropolitan magazine two page spread two page okay spread. not for chumps <laughs> uh, we'll put the photo <laughs> on our instagram at you have we have a copy at looks great I'm. I'm Gavin's happy with a the little photo. Upset. He's I'm a happy with upset. the photo. It's
6: a side <laughs> shot. It's okay. But tell them uh, I found. I found my light. Gavin did, couldn't find his light. But I, <laughs> I'm a pro
0: and he's not. Uh, we uh we did it in the studio. They had a photographer come in. We had all of our like other uh, work friends kind of with us there. We were. Kind of reenacting what we do when we do these and gesticulating and AT, that's the happiest I've ever think I've seen you before. <laughs> I mean, you uh, smile it, a lot and they captured a really good smile with you too. They caught me, caught me slipping, caught me tripping.
6: Yeah. I mean, I gotta I gotta stay gloomy and stuff. But, but uh, uh, yeah, it you, was it was you mentioned fun. though uh
0: what I said to you that day, which I kind of forgot because
6: I Yes, I, I it was the first day I ever wore a collared shirt to work, basically. Yes. Um and You uh, do it on if, big
0: occasions. Yeah,
6: big occasions. <laughs> you do <laughs> clever t right. shirts. Uh, I don't know about clever, but uh, heavy metal. Definitely. Um, but uh, so I show up and I just I grabbed a blue collared shirt. I get there and Gavin is wearing a blue collared shirt <laughs> and he looks at me. He goes, what are you doing wearing blue? I wear blue every day. And I was like, I I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you, uh, you can go on Twitter and. Uh, Everything we've said is uh, backed up because my my aunt Schechter says that I am overdressed and she's correct. Yeah, Yeah. I I should be wearing a a, a, like a a tech metal t shirt or something.
0: I also want to say I think you just made me sound like Ben Shapiro right there when you said you make
6: me blue every day.
0: (laughs) Which, at the time,
6: it could have been the case. You do own people with logic and facts constantly, <laughs> Gavin. So, I mean, it's not hard for and me to slip there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the I mean, the fashion. Oh, well, yeah. But there are
0: different shades it of drip blue, on too. On so guy. we were okay. It was good that we were matching. showed our uh, our strong dynamic and play there. So,
6: yeah, check it out. Uh, it does look like we're having a blast. yeah. And it
0: really goes to show how...
6: Yeah, how we are major hyper local influencers, mm-hmm. and I mean, it, we, we'd be naive There's, if we if we denied that, we fact denied that now. Yes, Columbia it's Metropolitan fact.
0: Magazine, we're there. <laughs> you the know, big time. It, we we tried to get the cover, but I think that was the springboard for uh, Obama in two thousand eight. Yes, I read that actually. <laughs> I did remember reading that. Uh, but yeah, it's out. I think you can find it in several places around town and also online. We'll share some photos on our Instagram account um Mm -hmm. but yeah that was a fun time we were we basically just had to kind of like riff for 30 minutes about just making stuff up making trying to make each other laugh basically i mean we're talking about
6: nonsense (laughs) (laughs) i can tell you that was my first uh photo shoot of all time um Gavin is used to having makeup on. I would not that we were made up or anything like no. that. No, but he's 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 a man, grown man that wears makeup on camera all the time. Yes. Um, not 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 me though. So it was a strange experience, but uh, I mean, these weird. pictures are great. And, and I, I like, would ask this guy for more pictures that he took of us because the, they're pretty nice pictures. Yeah, best picture ever taken of me, better than my wedding
0: picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good day. <laughs> All right, folks, well, uh, we'll be back this weekend. I'll be coming to you live, not really, but we will be coming to you from James Island, so we'll be in touch. Uh, enjoy the upcoming Labor Day weekend. We'll be here for you, bringing some news so you can keep up with what's going on as you're relaxing this weekend. And again, thanks for listening to the pod. Show us your appreciation by leaving us a review or voicemail at 803-563-7169. You can stay up to date with the latest news on scetv.org and southcarolinapublicradio.org. That's where Scott Morgan and Tut Underwood live. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina.
6: Live strong. I think I came up with that. Oh my gosh, now. what a great saying.
0: <laughs> and I could get like those bracelets. Yeah, that's a great idea.
6: I think I just came up with that It's right a really now.
0: inspirational quote. Live strong.